KMTT, Kimitzion, Tetzay Torah. Today is Wednesday. We have the weekly shiur on the philosophy of the Vilna Gaon and his school by Havav Aliyakim Kramban. Shalom Lachem. In our last shiur, we discussed the outlook of the Vilna Gaon and described it as a as an outlook of dualism. The Vilna Gaon, as you will re- recall, believed that there was a great divide in reality, a rift. On the one hand, we have Olam Haba, the world of holiness and purity, and on the other side, we have Olam Hazeh, the turbulent ocean, which is the arena in which the person has to fulfill his mission in this life. But this is a world of profanity, of temptation, and of struggle. We further saw that this idea of a dualism within reality ties up with the Vilnagon's conviction about death. The Vilnagon used the words in Sefer Dvarim, mol suf, to capsulize his conception that a person should always have the idea of his mortality in front of him. He should be constantly mindful and not forget for a moment that his life will ultimately come to an end. Uh, and we raised the issue, the question, what kind of emotional life does this outlook create? Does this generate a sense of pessimism, a melancholy, which, uh, which stems from the fact that people realize that their present life is not so meaningful? And the true meaning of existence will be found only in the afterlife. Uh, I mentioned that uh, a a scholar, Alan Nadler, wrote a book on this topic, and it's basically the thrust of his uh, views, that the traditional misnagdic way of life and viewpoint, as taught by the Vunagon and his disciples, had this strong strain of pessimism. On the other hand, we began to develop the idea last time that while there is a great deal of truth to this, we should moderate this conception and realize that things are a bit more complex. It's not necessarily true that this uh, emphasis on the afterlife, this constant mindfulness that life is going to come to an end, that we're all only mortals, it's not necessarily true that this mindfulness generates a sense of pessimism and of sadness or depression. In order to illustrate this point, I would like to uh, quote from a uh, someone who wrote closer to our age, a great Rosh Yeshiva, Rabbi Yechiel Michal Tikochinsky a prominent central Torah figure in Yerushalayim, who lived about the time of the founding of the State of Israel, a Rosh Hashiva, a Posaic, a prolific author on, on halachic topics. Uh, one of the books which Rav Tukachinsky wrote was called Gesher HaChaim. Gesher HaChaim is basically a compendium and a practical manual, a guide for Hilchot Avilut. And actually, for many years, 
this was really the Bible of the mourner. Uh, people who sat Shiva Rahman al-Islam always consulted the Gesher HaChayim in order for, uh, to, to arrive at the proper practical Nihug HaLachalim uh, in all questions of Avelut. In recent years, of course, there's been a proliferation of such uh, practical uh, halachic guides, and the centrality of Gesher HaChayim has been somewhat eclipsed. But one of the interesting things about Gesher HaChayim is that in the final section of the book, we have a rather lengthy philosophic tract on the subject of death, life, and afterlife. And Rav Tukachinsky develops a whole hashkafat olam, a whole worldview about the finality of human existence and about its ultimate end. And actually the name of the book, Gesher HaChaim, encapsulates his worldview. Gesher HaChaim, life as a bridge. Our life in this world is a bridge to arrive at in Olam Haba. Uh, and according to Avtikachinsky, this worldview not only is not depressing, but quite the contrary. This is what gives meaning and significance to everything that we do in this life. I won't get into the details of his uh, worldview, but I'd just like to quote to you some things that he says in the course of his discussion. What Chazar and the Musar authors, what they said, you should always remember the fact that you're going to die. This is not something which ought to arouse sadness or to drive away happiness or pleasure from the world that God has created. Quite to the contrary. If someone entertains such a thought, that's a, a vile thought. In other words, the fact that you know that your life is going to, going to come to an end, quite to the contrary, this infuses your life with direction and meaning. A person who is aware of the true aim of his life ultimately comes to intense joy, spiritual pleasure and happiness. Uh, this, I think, clearly illustrates what, I've, uh, what I said before. But on the other hand, to be honest, we should recall once again what we saw last time in the name of Rabbi Chaim Velazhin. As you recall, Rabbi Chaim Velazhin uh, gave his Sichat uh, Musar during Asherat Yemei Tshuva. And in the course of that drasha, uh, he raises the objection that he heard from many people 
to his emphasis on otherworldliness, on the fact that a person should think about preparing himself for Olam Abba, he heard that many people objected to this. Olam Olam. This world is something unto itself, and we ought to pay attention and give significance to this world as well. Now, uh, we saw what Rav Tikachinsky's retort to this objection is. But Rav Haim Velazhin, as we saw last time, took a different take on it. He said, true, joy can be had in Olam Hazer, but only by great Sadiqim, such as the Vilna Gaon. The Vilna Gaon was intensely happy. He had a great sense of accomplishment and of satisfaction from what he was doing because he knew what the purpose of Olam Hazer was. Torah and mitzvot. However, such a conception, such an attitude, is not within the reach of the ordinary person. And therefore, people like us, Rabbi Chaim Vajan says, rhetorically, including himself, in the same category as his audience, people like us, uh, we have to not try to seek joy and fulfillment in Olam Hazer, but we should concentrate on preparing in Olam Hazer for Olam Haba. We should be subjugating all of our activities and all of our life in Olam Hazer to the purpose of arriving in Olam Haba. These are two different uh, directions, two different viewpoints. Uh, it stands to reason that the hundred plus years that separated Rephaim Velazhin from Rebichio Mechotokachinsky had an effect on the way they dealt with this issue. But nevertheless, if we get back more to the attitude of the Vilnagon and his disciple, Rebbechaim Velazhin, we see that while they believed and even taught that joy was achievable in Olam Hazer, but the true ultimate joy in Olam Hazer is something which is not self-evident. And it's something which really belongs to a great Sadiq, a great Tamil Chacham, who knew what to do with Olam Hazer. If we, we, we return for a moment to another thing which I mentioned last time, the, the great uh, joy which uh, the Vilna Gaon in, uh, evinced in, in the celebration of Simchat Torah. As I said, there were reports of the tremendous uh, rejoicing and celebration of Simchat Torah uh, which the Gra uh, held. And I think there's little doubt when, when, when the Grah celebrated Simchat Torah, he saw himself as reenacting the source of this great celebration on Sukkot, which of course is found in Chazal, in Simchat Beit HaShoeva. Now in Simchat Beit HaShoeva, uh, who were the people who celebrated? Today we have Simchat Beit HaShoeva. We know it's, it's open house. Anybody can come. However, Chazal emphasized, and the Rambam in particular, emphasizes this at the end of Hilchot Lulav, in Mishneh Torah, that the people who were the active participants in Simchat Beit HaShoeva, the jugglers, the dancers, the singers, the people who played with the torches, these were the great Tamidei Chachamim, the leaders of the Sanhedrin, the great Sadiqim, the luminaries of the generation, they're the ones who took center stage, and they were, practically speaking, the only ones who were the active uh, celebrators in Simchat Bet Multitudes came 
people thronged and filled up the Beit HaMikdash, but they were all spectators. They all just experienced this joy vicariously. And the clear message which comes out from this fact of Simchat Beit HaShoyevah, from this phenomenon, of the great Sadikim being the acrobats of Simchat Beit HaShoyevah, is that true joy and exaltation is something which you have to work hard for. And it's not something which an ordinary, simple person who has not invested time and effort over a long period of time can justifiably claim for himself. So once again, we have another expression of the of that same uh, ethic of the Gra and the Mitnagdim. That true achievement, if it's to mean anything, if it's to, if it's to be worthwhile, is to be achieved only through a hard hard work. I'd like to proceed from here. Uh, I think we're about to close off our discussion of the Vilna Gaon's worldview. But there's one more idea which I think is important to look at uh, before we close this unit. We said, I just mentioned that the Vilna Gaon believed in human initiative and effort. What is the content of this effort? We've seen this already in the past. The Vilna Gaon defined it as Torah, Mitzvot, and Midot. But there's another question of definition which arises here. Torah, Mitzvot, Midot, all these things are written in the books. There's Sefei Halacha, there's Sefei Musar, that tell the person exactly what to do. And they tell every person to do the same thing. In other words, the tasks which, with which we are entrusted appear to be uniform tasks. Everybody ought to be doing the same thing. The definition of Torah, Halacha, Yerat appears to be something not adapted to the individual person. However, the Gra himself, we know, was an individualist. Not only was he himself an individualist, but he also taught individualism. The Gra believed that every person basically has his own task, has his own mission based on his own personality, on his own spiritual route. I'd like to read to you, for example, from his Perush the Sefer Mishle in Perek Tetzayin. The Gra says as follows, Ki l'chol adam v'adam yesh lo derech b'fnei atzma l'lechet bo. Ki in da'atam doma zeh l'zeh, v'in patsufehin domin zeh l'zeh. And the great question is, since all the books, the Sefei Halacha and the Sefei Torah, give us a uniform view of what needs to be done, how is a person to learn or to arrive at his own individual task, at his own individual mission in Olam Hazit? The Talmudim of the Gra tell us an interesting thing, that the Gra believed that the individual task of every person was hinted at, hinted at in the sources. In other words, in theory, every person had a certain pasuk, for example, which he could consult, and that's his pasuk. That pasuk defines or alludes to 
this person and his mission, uh, his spiritual mission, Ba'olam Hazeh. And the Talmudim further say that the Graham himself, himself was capable of pointing each person on his way. The Graham himself could tell the person, look, this is your pasuk in the Torah, this is what you have to do, and explain the connection between this person and that source. Uh, this is something that the Talmudim say about the Graham himself. However, if we re- return to this uh, Perush in Sefer Mishlei, when the Gra writes for the public, and he wants to incult, inculcate in them this idea of individualism, he takes a different viewpoint, uh, because he wants to put this idea within the grasp of every person. You know, not every person can come to the Gra and ask this question, uh, what am I supposed to do about Namazet? And the Gra actually gives us a description, a historical description of the history of this phenomenon. The Gra tells us that originally a person could go to a Navi and ask the Navi, what is my mission in Olam Hazet? And the Navi would be able to tell him with the Ruach Nevoah. When the Ruach ceased, the Gra said, it was still possible to use a kind of supernatural means to arrive at the correct definition of the person's individual task. And this was done through Ruach HaKodesh. The Gra actually goes, uh, to, goes to the extreme of saying that really every person has within himself the potential of Ruach HaKodesh. And even when there was no Nivuah, a person could rely on his individual Ruach HaKodesh, his own spiritual intuition in order to uh, divine what he should be doing as an individual. However, the Gra goes on to say, but afterwards there was Yuridat Adorot, there was decline of the generations, and we today are no longer on the level where we can rely on our own instinct, on in, our own individual intuition in and of itself in order to arrive at the correct definition of our task in life. And therefore, the Gra, in reference to this Pasuk in Sefer Mishlei, Gol el Hashem ma'asecha v'yikonu machshavotecha. Again, Gol el Hashem ma'asecha v'yikonu machshavotecha. Yikonu machshavotecha, that's the goal, to arrive at machshavotecha, your own individual machshavot, your own individual spiritual world. How you'll be able to uh, find the true basis for your own individual spiritual life. Gol el Hashem ma'asecha. Turn to the deeds which Hashem wants you to do. And by deeds, the Vonagon says, we're referring to those, those Sifrei Halacha, the Tayag Mitzvot, those things which appear to be non-individualistic, those things, those parts of Judaism, those obligations which appear to be uniform, which everyone needs to do in exactly the same manner. Immerse yourself in these, in Torah and, and Mitzvot, those things which are universal for all of Am Yisrael, and, miraculously, Yikonu Machshavotecha. In other words, the Vunagon is saying to us that the way to find your own individual path in spiritual life is to immerse yourself within those things which are not individual. In the Torah, the Mitzvot, the Halacha. And if you truly do this, 
you will be using your own individual talents and ultimately you will be able to arrive at your own individual mission and task and way of life. Uh, I can't resist uh, mentioning that I've heard this idea often from the Rosh Yeshiva, Rav Amital Shlita. Rav Amital very often emphasizes the, this idea. Every person has his own individual letter in the Torah. But how do you find this individual letter? Rav Amital would say, uh, he says, look at the Ramim in this yeshiva. Look at the Rabbanim here. Each one has a world unto himself. Each one has his own individual path, his own individual derech limud, even his own hashkafat olam. No two of them are alike. Now, how did each of these Rabbanim arrive at his individual path? They all started in the same way. They all learned the same Gemara. They all went to the same Shurim. By following this path, which is general and universal and uniform, ultimately each one arrived at his own derech. So that's how the Vilna Gaon, uh, on the one hand, doesn't yield, doesn't give up, and doesn't surrender his teaching of individualism as an ultimate goal. On the other hand, he emphasizes that the way to arrive at it is through what appear to be conventional means, but this is the skula, this is the unique characteristic of Torah, that when immersing yourself in Torah and mitzvot and avodat Hashem, ultimately a person arrives at his true individual private nature. I'd like to close this, this discussion with another intriguing question. Namely, if a person has his own individual pathway, let's get back now to the Gra himself. The Gra certainly believed that he also had his own individual mission. What was it? In other words, how did he in view his own purpose in Olam Hazeh? Uh, now, there's a well-known report of the Vilna Gaon on this issue, which appears in several places, uh, and perhaps first and foremost in a source which we've consulted in the past, that is, the introduction to Pa'at HaShulchan, written by the Graz Tamid Muvak, Rabbi Yisrael Mishklav. The Graz said that my pasuk in the Torah is a pasuk in Parshat Ki Tetze. The pasuk says, the context of this verse is the mitzvah of midot mishkalot, that the weights and measures must be fair and not skewed. And the Torah says, the weighing stone that you use must be whole and just. Even shleima is a nutricon of the Vilnagon, he said. Even shleima, Eliyahu ben Shlomo. The Aleph is a Kitzur, an abbreviation. Ben Shlomo Zalman. Uh, at that point, Rabbi Yisrael Shklav remains silent. And he doesn't ask the question which is on our lips. What great significance, what mission does this Pasuk entrust to the Vilna Gaon? Because the idea of this 
every person having a source in the Torah is not simply to find where his name is mentioned, but to find out what he's supposed to do by Olam Hazeh. Now, this pasuk, of course, uh, relates to a certain halacha in Choshen Mishpat. Every halacha has its great significance. Every halacha is a world unto itself. This halacha is dealt with in Masechet Bavabatra. As I said before, it's a siman in Roshan Mishpat. But what unique personal mission does this entrust to the Vilna Gaon? This halacha must be kept by, by everyone. We would expect that the Vilna Gaon would have some tremendous uh, mission embracing somehow Klau Yisrael. How is this hinted at in this pasuk? The, the Rabbi Sarmishklav is silent on this point and does not slake our curiosity. Now, I think as, as we've seen on several occasions, occasions in the past, that in places where there is silence in the sources about the Vilna Gaon, that beneath this reticence, there's a good chance that Messianism is bubbling. And I think that this suspicion we will see now is borne out in the book Kolator, which we've uh, mentioned in the past, the semi-secret tract of the Vilna Gaon's teachings on Meshich Yud and Eretz Yisrael to his Talmudim. And here the author of the uh, Kolator is not silent at all. In fact, he goes on and on on this issue. The author of the Kolator informs us that the Pasuk of Eren Shleima does indeed relate to us the great mission of the Vilna Gaon, because he believed that his central mission in Olam Hazer was to hasten the bringing of the Mashiach and the redemption of Am Yisrael. And in order to understand this from the Pasuk Evan Shleimah Vetzedek, we should be aware that this Pasuk is found at the end of Parshat Ki and two Pasukim later, in other words, immediately after the Pasha of Midot Umishkalot appears appear the following Pesukim. Zachor et asher asalecha amalek baderech b'tzeitrem yimitzrayim v'yabaniach Hashem elokech alecha mikol oivecha misaviv ba'aretz asher Hashem elokech noten lecha nachalal vishta tinched zecha amalek mitachat hashamayim In other words, we have here a reference to the warfare between Am Yisrael and Amalek something which goes on midor ledor and which will be completed only in the time of the Mashiach, and which itself is an important stage in the making about of the Mashiach. We should also bear in mind, says the author of the Kolator, that immediately after the Pasha of Amalek, the end of Pasha Kititzei, the next Pasha is, V'haya ki and the Pesukim go on to describe Bikurim, one of the mitzvot ha'kviyot ba'aretz. So here, again, the Vilna Gaon is portrayed as viewing himself as a harbinger of the Mashiach and who's being entrusted with the mission of setting in motion a movement and a, a practical hishtadlut which will ultimately bring about the Geulah Shleima. The author of the Kolator also tells us that in the Haftarah of Parshat Kitetzei, where the Vilna Gaon's Pasuk is found, 
There is another pasuk which the Vilna Gaon saw as alluding to himself. Barachamim gedolim akabetzech. Barachamim gedolim akabetzech. If you figure out the gematria, the gematria is, the gematria is Eliyahu ben Shlomo Zaman. And the Vilna Gaon as identifying himself as uh, a, a collaborator and the nitzots of the neshama of Mashiach ben Yosef who would bring about the kibbutz galuyot. Uh, okay, this I uh, again uh, say as in the past that the question of Mashiachiyut of the Zonagon is a very vast issue which uh, in this year we won't get into that much. Uh, at this point I'd like just to sum up a few of the major points that we've seen about the Zonagon, his personality and his approach to life. We've seen his intense dedication to Torah, to Midot, to Yerat Shemayim, We've seen his dualistic worldview, the fact that there's a clear dividing line between Olam Hazneh and Olam Haba. We've seen his tremendous effort, his tremendous emphasis on human effort and initiative, and his belief that, on the one hand, this was necessary for any meaningful spiritual achievement, and also that human effort and initiative is effective and ultimately does bring about great spiritual achievement. Uh, this, uh, these ideas that we've seen, I've ho- I hope that on one hand we've accomplished uh, one important aim, namely that we, we've, we've seen, even if to a smaller extent, that the worldview of the Misnagdim, of the Vilna Gaon, is not a simplistic one, as is commonly thought. It's not superficial, but there's a rich, varied world here of concept and ideas and spiritual thought and philosophy. Next time, Bezrat Hashem, we'll begin to see how this philosophy and this worldview of the Vilna Gaon put the Vilna Gaon on a collision course with the Hasidic movement, which is then just nascent and budding, a collision course which was virtually inevitable. <laughs>